all of you on this November Sunday, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Um, I just always love this time of year. Um, I just want to say good morning to everyone who is joining us right now in Nacogdoches. We love you guys and Dieball and Duncan. Um, I love this church, and I'm so thankful to see all of you here this morning. Now, you've gone through all the trouble of getting up a little early because this is early service, so job well done. Kudos to you. Uh, you've gone through uh, maybe some stress of getting the kids ready, and if you're like my family, we usually have to repent before we walk into the church from the right here. Can I get an amen on that, any parents in the room? But you've made it here. You're here in this moment, and I just want to challenge all of you in here, all of you in Nacogdoches, Dieball and Duncan, all of, you, all of us here in Lufkin, let's get the most out of this opportunity that we tried so hard to reach. We're here now. God wants to speak to you. God has something he wants to say to all of this this morning. And I would hate for you have to gone through all of that trouble and then get here and miss out on what Jesus Christ has to say to you about your life. So as we prepare for this, this message this morning, a key to you receiving all God has for you to make the most of this opportunity is your hunger. Are you hungry to hear from God today? You know, I, I remember uh, when my kids were toddlers. Thank you, Jesus, I am out of that stage. But I can remember trying to teach them to eat. And sometimes it was super easy when they were hungry. But then there were other times where I know they needed to eat, but they didn't want to eat. But I knew that if they didn't eat what they had right now in front of them, it was about three or four more hours before I could give them anything. You know what I'm saying? Your hunger will determine how much you receive today. And I pray that today you're like the toddler who's super hungry to where God doesn't have to force feed you. <laughs> because God has things he wants to do in the house today across all of our locations and all of our venues. I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Let's go ahead and dive right in. We're in the middle of this series called All I Need. It's a study on the book of Psalms 23. And we have learned lots of great things, and today is going to be no exception. But in order to accurately interpret and imply what this psalm says about our lives today, we need to take a better look at its author. See, this is not just any psalm. This psalm was written by someone who lived up close and personal with God. This song, or this psalm, was written by an author who knew God personally. This author fought big giants and won many wars. All with his faith and his trust in his great God as the source behind every single blow. This author, he knew what it was to be devastatingly defeated, but he also knew what it was like to be victorious. He had his fair share of both. But through it all, and this is, I love this, through it all, he remained close to the Lord his God. He continued to pursue God through every season. And as a result, he was able to pick himself up after devastating failures to face the Lord his God once again. 
and just keep moving forward. This author is none other than King David. He's famous for many things. He's famous for many reasons. Um, He accomplished many great things for God all throughout the scripture. I would challenge you to study his life. In 2020, Pastor Jeremy is already working on a series on the life of David. It is honestly, you guys, it's going to be incredible. He's one of the most interesting characters of the entire Bible. But he's famous, and he was, for many reasons, and accomplished great things. But what he is most famous for, what he is most famous for, and I'm sure even today, the thing he's most proud of is that he is known and was known and still is known and is famous for being a man after God's own heart. See, King David wrote most, wrote most of the book of Psalms. He wrote most of them. And he also wrote Psalms 23. And it's from this posture. Listen, listen, listen. This is important for today. It's from this posture of close relationship that King David sits down on a rock, maybe in a field with his sheep, and he writes Psalm 23. In fact, let's go ahead and read this psalm together. Psalms 23, if you'll turn your eyes to the screen, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. You read it with me. The lo- all locations. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There are incredible benefits that we're learning about right now in Psalms 23. In fact, the first few weeks, these were a few of them. If you haven't been here, and this is your very first Sunday here at Timber Creek, I'd encourage you to go to the podcast where you can listen to the past teachings on Psalms 23. But each week, we're learning about different benefits that we have access to that are found in Psalms 23. Uh, Some of them include in verse 1. The very first week of All I Need, we learned that God provides everything we need when we're worried. What a great benefit. Another great benefit we learn about is in verse 2, and I love this one. We learned a great benefit is that God relaxes us when we're stressed. Can I get an amen? He relaxes us when we're stressed. In verse 3a, we found out that God not only relaxes us, He replenishes us. He guides us when we're confused. He walks with us, we learned last week, through dark valleys. And today's verse is no exception. With today's verse that we're going to study today and pick apart, you're going to learn some extra new benefits that come with you and me found in Psalm 23. But like King David, just like the author We're going to need to lean into God more to receive the particular 
kind of benefit that is taught on in Psalms 23, verse 4. Because in Psalms 23, verse 4, there are certain uncommon conditions to receiving this specific benefit. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for today. And God, we want every benefit you died to give us, Jesus. Lord, would you give us, God, eyes that can see you clearly today? Would you give us ears that can hear your voice? Father, I pray right now that every man and woman, young and old in this room, would have a hungry heart that we would receive easily from you today. God, we ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone together said, amen. Now, I can look across this certain building and, and this certain body in here. I can't see you in Nacogdoches, but my heart's with you, Dieball and Duncan too. But I can scan the room and my face locks in with certain people who I know, who I know about you and you know about me. Some of you I know more than others. And some of you know me more than others. And in the same way, David knew God in a very special way. David was up close and personal with God. In fact, check this out in your notes. David's relationship with God was the key to the kind of comfort he experienced. David knew things about God based on this in-depth, close, up-front relationship with God. See, some of you, you know me just as Pastor Talia. And you only see me when I'm up here or walking through the foyer. Or maybe I've taught you in Grow Track or Starting Point a long time ago. And we know each other pretty well. You know I can get fired up sometimes. You know I can be a straight shooter. You know I love God's people. But then there are others of you in the room who know me at a different level. Uh, you know things about me most people in this room don't know. Bless God. Help me, Jesus. In fact, Pastor Jeremy said something to me the other day. I've been working with him for 14 years now, very closely. And he said, uh, Talia, I keep finding myself, and I know he's watching right now, so you remember this conversation, Pastor Jeremy. Uh, when he said, I keep finding myself in meetings doing this. <laughs> See, my best friend just laughed. Why did she laugh? Because she knows what that means. She knows when I have a big decision or I'm overwhelmed and I feel like I need to tune everyone out in the room, I accidentally have this habit where I go like this. And there's something <laughs> stupid about my finger on my nose, God help me, that calms me down. And so Pastor Jeremy's been doing that and is very annoyed by it. Other people in here, you know... That when I am really excited or tired and after a long day of meetings, I began to, to chew my cheeks and twirl my hair. See, not all of you know that. Others of you who I've discipled or poured my life into, I don't have to say a word to you when you're not doing what God told you to do. You can be standing next to me and I'm smiling at you, but you feel my vibe and I feel yours and we know Something ain't tracking. It's this kind of in-depth relationship that David had with God. Listen, it's this relationship that was created by 
close proximity to God. David didn't just believe in God because grandma told him about God. David hung out with God. And in Psalm 23, he's sharing some of the secrets that he's learned by watching him up close and personal. So when we read Psalm 23, we get the benefits. Listen, we get the benefits of finding things out about God from someone who had first-hand experience and knowledge with him. See, to enjoy the comfort that David enjoyed, we must have the kind of relationship with God that David had. God created us for that kind of relationship. I love this one scripture. There's one scripture in God's word that says that that when he created us, everyone listen, this is just really important. He says when he created you, he put in you Every single man and woman he created. Listen, the Bible says that when he created us, he created with a heart, us with a heart that wants to know God. We were created to know him, and the enemy wants us to think that's really hard. But the truth of the matter is, is you have this this making deep inside of you that God made that, that he fills easily. That it's easy to have that kind of relationship with God. But it's from this standpoint that David writes Psalms 23, verse 4. Now catch this. We tend to want the benefits of Psalms 23 without putting in the kind of time that that kind of relationship requires. See, not only did David have close proximity, listen, Timber Creek, he also put in the time consistently with God. And I know in a room this size and, and thousands of people watching online and in different venues, all of us are in a different place with God. You know, we're all in a different place in our relationship with God. I just want to challenge you right now, though, wherever you may be, to ask God to help you take one step closer today. One step closer like King David. So this is important before we get into the rest of the scripture. Because David says something really strange to me in Psalms 23, verse 4. Because he's talking about comfort. But when he says that he's comforted, he mentions two very odd objects that bring him comfort. And we want to study that for the rest of our time this morning. Look at Psalms 23, verse verse 4. It says that God's rod and his staff comforted David. His rod and his staff. Now, I can think of a lot of different objects to to create imagery in your mind and mind to think of comfort. Uh, But there's no mention of a hug in this scripture. There's no mention of a smile. There's no mention of like a pat on the back or an encouraging word. No, David says, I've sat with God. I've watched God. I know how he works. I know when he flinches in a certain way what that means. And I'm telling you, and he's telling all of us, that God is great at using his rod and his staff to comfort us. How strange. He says that God's rod and his staff do a really good job. 
So I want to look at these tools real quick. Why did God say through the, through the psalmist David that these two objects were going to bring you comfort? Anyone in here need comfort this morning? I think a lot of us could. You know, this time of year tends to bring up a lot. You're, some of us are about to face family that we haven't seen, nor did we want to see, all year long. And now we're about to go face stuff that maybe we really have enjoyed not having to face. Are you with me? And already you're getting anxious about it and kind of stressed about it. And you already need some of this comfort. What we want to do this morning is learn about these two tools. The first tool David used was a rod. Now this rod was between two and four feet long. And it was really more of a club than it was a rod. In fact, shepherds wore belts. And they would stick this rod inside of their belt. And the rod was used to beat off wolves. The rod was a weapon. The rod was used to, to, to beat away animals that were trying to devour and hurt his sheep. He was also, they also used the club to beat up robbers. You know, back then, sheep was how they, that, life, that living was how they earned their, their money. So robbers would come and try to steal the sheep so they could use it to make money. And so shepherds knew, listen everyone, shepherds, good shepherds, good shepherds knew that if they were to, to, to keep the sheep safe, they had to have a rod. But shepherds used another tool that is very famous today. In fact, I have Courtney brought here. I want to say thank you to the First United Methodist Church. Give a shout out there for letting me to use this. Many of you are going to see a shepherd using this coming up at what event? Yep, Old Town Bethlehem. So this is an actual shepherd's staff, and it's created in this shape for a reason. See, the sheep had a tendency to wander. They, they, had a hard, they have a hard time still today staying close to the shepherd. It reminds me of that scripture where the Lord says that all we like sheep have gone astray. Sheep are not known for being very obedient or smart. Now, we're created in the image of God, so don't get, you know, all, all frustrated on that. We're made in the image of God, and yet, when, when the Lord talks about you and me, he says we're sheep. And this good shepherd not only has a rod, but he has a staff. Now, this staff was used for several reasons, okay? So the hook would hold the sheep down when it was getting sheared. When all of its wool was being shaven off, this tool, listen, was used for what was comfortable for the sheep to be removed. But this tool was also used for those little sheep that bounced along aimlessly getting away from the flock. And it was really long. In fact, I was a little nervous about using this today because I'm actually very short. And this is a little intimidating to use it so tall. But the length of it was so that the shepherd could reach over other sheep and snag back that sheep with its hook around its neck, bringing it back in to the fold. Thank you, Courtney. Our shepherd, David says, uses his rod and his staff to comfort us. You know what God also does? And I love this about God. He sometimes shares his staff with other people. 
Uh-huh. God sometimes likes to share his rod with other people. You know who those people are? They're the people God has called to pour into you. They're your table host leader at starting point. They're your coach over Grow Track One. They're your group leader, your dream team coach. These people, God, you don't know it, but if you look a little closer, they have a rod in their belt, and there's a staff in their hand, and they are overseers over your soul. See, that's why we, we say at Timber Creek, we don't do life alone. We take next steps. You want to know why? It's not so you fill up all of our next steps ministries. It's because you're sheep. Come on, Timber Creek, we're sheep. And you need shepherds in your life who know Jesus, maybe even a little better than you, to help help correct you when you're going off track, help beat off what the enemy's trying to do in your life when you don't have a clue what's going on. And it's th- these two weapons, David says, bring him comfort. Well, he knew them well. See, David knew these well. After David's anointed king, King Saul, the king that was still in place, begins trying to hunt David down and kill him. I don't know if any of us are going through that this morning, but that's pretty stressful. And he's being chased. He's finally anointed as king. And right after he's anointed, he's got this God moment. Listen, Sometimes after your greatest encounter, you will face your King Saul. And what do I mean by that? See, when we come to an altar, we have a moment in a service, or or God does something really powerful in our lives through encounter or whatever. Those moments are so powerful. Aren't they glorious? Aren't they glorious when you have those moments with God that change you forever? See, David had that moment, too, when when Samuel anoints him as king. But no sooner, listen, guys, this is so important. No sooner is he anointed as king that he's being chased down, trying to be killed by King Saul. And God showed David over time, over time. Say over time. See, this kind of relationship and trust takes time. Over time, David saw that God was faithful to protect him. But then over time, also, David made some big mistakes, didn't he? We know that he falls into an affair with Bathsheba. And God sends a shepherd with a pretty big rod and a staff to talk to David. And it's none other than the prophet Nathan. And Nathan totally calls David out on his sin. And what is God doing in that moment, Timber Creek? Is he trying to beat us over the head? Is he trying to beat David over the head with the staff? No. He lovingly and gently uses the staff in Nathan's hand to call David out on the sin that he was in so that God could heal David, so God could restore David, so God could bring David back into the fold. And we all need people in our lives who carry God's rods and carry God's staffs so that we can go after our God-given potential and accomplish it. So how do these two tools, though, bring comfort? How do they bring comfort? I, I see how they protect. I see how they defend. But how do they bring us comfort? Number one, God consistently protects us with these two tools. Listen, there's, 
there's a consistency here. David knew by being with God long enough that no matter what the enemy or what army he was going to face or what giant was going to come his way, he was confident in God's ability to protect him. No matter how many times Saul tried to kill him, you read it, read it for yourselves. There are times where David is declaring the goodness of God. He's declaring the faithfulness of God right in front of the giant, right in front of Saul and his armies, right in front of the Philistine armies. David knew. He brought comfort. There was comfort in the fact that no matter what came his way, that he knew God was going to pull through. He knew God had his back. And you guys need to have that kind of knowing in here today. God, God doesn't want that for just King David. I feel that so, so passionately today. He loves you just as much as King David, which is why this psalm is in the Bible. Because you have access to those benefits as well. But the kind of comfort that David is talking about here, that dependency he, he knew God was going to pull through. Look at Psalms 138.7. It says, though I walk th- in the midst of trouble. Listen to this, guys. This is so cool. This psalmist says, though I walk in the middle of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against my angry, the anger of my foes, and with your right hand, you save me. 2 Corinthians 7, 8 to 9 says, we are hard-pressed on every side. Paul was talking to a group of of Christians here, everybody. This is important. Paul's talking to people like you and me right here. The apostle Paul said this, we are hard-pressed. What was he? Hard-pressed on every single side. Well, I thought thought being a Christian meant that, you know, everything was just going to be so easy. And that's why I came and I received Jesus because I just wanted everything to be perfect. You're missing it. Salvation in Jesus Christ does not equal a perfect, easy life. Paul knew that well. And he's talking to a group of Christians that need to get this in their head. And he says, I'm hard-pressed on every side, but I'm not crushed. He says, I have been perplexed. But I'm not in despair. I have been persecuted, but I've never been abandoned. I've been struck down, but never destroyed. Do you hear that confidence? Do you hear that kind of confidence that Paul had? See, with the rod and the staff, there is a consistency to the protection of God in our lives. He guards us and protects us from the enemy's plans. And this is really important. Because sometimes... The Lord will kind of put, listen, this is really important. Sometimes when you're trying to make a decision and you've been praying about it, but you just have this feeling deep down, something just deep in your knower. I call this your knower. This is your knower. Deep down in there, there's no peace. There's no peace. And so what I have found is that God sometimes will use an absence of his peace to protect you from making the wrong decision. See, he, he lovingly and consistently protects us. The problem is not all of us heed to it. The problem is some of us feel that nudging when God says, nope, don't date that person. That's not the one I called you to marry. 
And what do we do? Just keep on dating them. Or God may say, I want you to take next steps and get in starting point. You keep telling me you want more of me. You keep telling me you want to grow. You keep telling me you'll do whatever it takes to get closer to me. And then the pastor says, if you want to get closer to God and get connected, get in starting point. And you go, whoa, 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 no. In order for God to protect you with his rod and his staff consistently, you have to heed his voice. And you have to follow the shepherd and obey. The second way that God protects us and brings us comfort through his rod and his staff is that through his rod and his staff, God lovingly corrects us when we wander and get off track. Can I add a word? I guess I can. I'm preaching. God lovingly not only corrects us, but he lovingly rescues us. So I wanted to make sure that you don't have in your mind this morning just this picture of God correcting But there's also this rescuing element that God's really good at. See, what also would happen is that sheep would fall down into these pits. They would be just bouncing along, you know, doing their little thing. And there would be these pits that other hunters may have dug uh, for wild animals. And the sheep would fall into them. And I, I promise you, the shepherd's not annoyed that the sheep didn't know the hole was right there. And so the shepherd would take the staff and, and, and rescue the sheep out of a pit. I know this one really well. I have found myself in some really, really deep pits as a Christ follower. If I were being honest with you guys today, and if I had the time, which I don't, to tell you even just a few of the pits that I accidentally fell into, that I had to let God rescue me out of, you would be astounded. Because, see, all we like sheep have gone astray, even pastors. But what I've learned is that Jesus is so good. He's so aware of his sheep, he knows when I have fallen out of the flock into a pit. And he stops everything. He stops everything. He knows all of his sheep so well, he knows when one is missing, the Bible says. And he will take that staff and go on a hunt and go backwards and forwards to the left and to the right. And he'll look and he will look until he hears the bleating of your voice. And he takes his staff And he offers it down to us to pull us out of the pit. But the problem is our pride sometimes prevents us from grabbing hold of it. Sometimes our shame and embarrassment or discouragement that we're in the pit again keeps us from grabbing hold of his extension to rescue us. I plead with you this morning. If you feel like you're in a pit today, maybe you feel depressed, maybe you feel hopeless, maybe this weekend you went back to something you told Jesus you'd never do again. And today you come in feeling like you're in a dirty, messy pit and you hope no one can tell that you're all dirty and stuck in a pit. I've been there. Can I encourage you, even in this moment, to let Jesus extend his staff to you? through this sermon on Sunday morning, November 17th, and just begin to pull you out. Can you, 
can you stop thinking about how he's going to get you out and just reach up and grab the staff? I think you'll be shocked at how great he is at correcting and rescuing us when we wander off. Look at Proverbs 3:11 to 12. It says God says, "My child, actually the writer of Proverbs is King Solomon and he's saying, "My child, listen, don't reject the Lord's discipline. And don't be upset when he corrects you, for the Lord corrects only those he loves." Just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. What? So when, so when the conviction of the Holy Spirit is working in my heart, that means God really, like, loves me? Yes. There are two people I get onto more than anyone else. They are Victoria and Carter Vanderleest. <laughs> I promise you they could stand up here and attest to the fact that they're in trouble about every day. Okay? Every day. Yeah, just for your information, like just because they're pastor's kids doesn't mean they have halos that walk around and they walk around praying all the time. They can be brats. They're brat. They can be brats. And their brattiness can drive me insane. Can I get an amen? Am I the only parent that feels that way? I had a little run in this morning, I think, is why I'm feeling this way. But no one, you don't want to know who I correct. I correct my children. I correct the ones God's called me to lead and pour into. You better watch out if God tells, you, uh, tells me to pour into you and you want me to because I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to love you like God loves you, but I'm, I'm going to use the rod and the staff God gave me. I'm going to yank on your neck when you're going off in the wrong direction, and I have no problem doing it. Why? Because I believe in all that God wants for you, and I believe that God has more for my kids, and that bad behavior could prevent them from accomplishing their potential. I just have to think God feels that way about us too. See, but we have to choose to respond to God's correction by drawing closer to him and not running away from him when he corrects us. Number three and finally, the third way his rod and his staff comfort us. And I love this one. Did you know God patiently redirects us? He patiently redirects us when we are straying from the flock. Listen, I'm not talking about sin right now. I'm not talking about rebellion. I'm not talking about falling into a sinful pit. I'm talking about this problem sheep have with getting out of the flock and stopping coming to church. Boy, it just got awkward. You're all here. Why do you feel awkward? You're in here. You're in here right now. You should feel good. But there's this patience God has with us. He patiently redirects us when we're straying from the flock. Look at this scripture in Proverbs 16.25. It says that there is a path before each person that seems right. I mean, it looks right. In its end is death. As I studied for this sermon, I just really had this picture in my mind right here on this point. And in the moment I was studying and praying, it's like I just saw this map. And at the end of the map, there was like this big X, like this danger at the end of the road on this map. 
And I felt like the Lord was showing me, Talia, let everyone know, I see a bigger picture they can't see. And so sometimes when I say no to things or I'm trying to redirect them or I'm trying to get them back into church or I'm trying to get them back connected with that person and I'm trying to get them disconnected from this other thing that's not healthy, that they need to trust that I see a picture they don't see. That even though it looks safe, even though that person looks like a good person to marry, I see something 20 years down the road they don't see or three years or two months down the road they don't see. See, God patiently redirects us, doesn't he? As we, like sheep, keep going astray, he never, listen, God never, the Bible says he never gets tired. He never gets weary. He never gets exhausted in his pursuit of you. He doesn't even get exhausted when he constantly has to redirect you 10 to 20,000 times a day. He patiently redirects us. Look at this scripture in Psalms 32, 8 and 9. It says, the Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and I will watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and brittle to keep it under control. See, when we get separated from the flock and from community, we get further and further and further away from what all God has for us. Timber Creek, God uses his rod and he uses his staff to comfort you. But you've got to be in the flock for his rod and his staff to have access to you. In fact, to know him like David knew him and to have the kind of trust that David had in him, you've got to have close proximity and consistency of time with the shepherd. See, through the use of his rod and his staff in our lives, listen, God's discipline and his guidance bring us peace and tranquility and safety into our lives. So the phone call you get from the person who hadn't seen you in a while, they're not judging you. They're not mad you haven't been here. They're just extending the staff of God, trying to pull you back in. The text that you get from the person, your best friend who loves Jesus like you do, and they've been praying for you, and they just want to make sure something's okay, they're not being bossy. They're not judging you. They're not up in your business. They're just trying to use God's rod and staff to comfort you and to keep you safe. But do you want to know what my favorite part is as I finish here this morning? Do you want to know what my favorite part is about this entire scripture? I love that he gives us comfort, and I'm very thankful for his rod and his staff. But my favorite part of this entire scripture is one word. And oddly enough, it's the word your. In the King James Version, I actually really like it. I grew up memorizing the, the King James. It's thy. Three letters with such powerful meaning. These three in the King James, but these four and the other translations, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. These four letters shine light on the most important element of truth we need to hear today. See, only God, everyone listen, only God 
only God can use his rod and his staff to do what only he can do. Only through the Holy Spirit is God able to bring comfort to the hurt-broken places of your marriage and your heart. Only God is able to silence and calm your deeper, deepest anxieties and fears. No one is as qualified as God is or as capable of comforting you like Jesus. I love it. I love that it says your rod. It's not the pastor's rod. It's not the teacher's rod. It's not even your best friend's rod ultimately. Can God use those people? Yes, and he does. But Timber Creek, listen to me this morning. It is the the only reason God can use people to comfort is because he wants to comfort you first. It is his rod. It is his comfort. Only God is capable and qualified to protect you and to defend you and to give you true peace and comfort. So my greatest advice to you this morning is don't fight the shepherd. Let the shepherd fight for you. Let him use that rod and that staff to bring you true comfort, to protect you from what the enemy wants to do in your marriage and in your family and your job. Would you just allow God this morning to use people in in your life to to lovingly correct you and to rescue you? Maybe you're here this morning and you just, you need rescued. You have never known Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And so this sermon doesn't make a whole lot of sense to you, but there's some parts of it that you're longing to understand better. And if that's you this morning, I would invite you to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today. In fact, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to pray over you this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that you have so much more for us than what we already have. There is so much more to you, God, that we have yet to discover. And God, I pray right now that everyone at the sound of my voice in every location, that there would be a hunger to begin to be stirred in our hearts for the kind of relationship with God that King David had. Right now, just just begin to ask God for that. Father, we want to know you more. And Lord, as we come to know you more, may we come to understand how you work and how you don't work. God, may, may, may we stop running from you and start running to you. Will we stop being ashamed of where we keep ending up and allow you to use your rod and your staff to protect us, to fight what we can't fight, to rescue us from what we can't get out of. Father, I just pray that there would be the involvement of your power and involvement of your presence in every life that's in here this morning, that you would protect us, that you would correct us and rescue us. And oh God, that you would redirect us with your rod and your staff. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone together said, amen.